watching my fellow Americans with your host, Spike. Yes. Cohen. Yes, it's me. We're here. We made it another week. We survived one more week. Keep clapping. Clap for the continued survival and the healing. How would we know that you wanted to continue to survive? If you didn't keep clapping, welcome to my fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. Thank you for taking a break from your long period of social distancing and self-quarantining to join me here, far away from you, where neither of us will touch each other. This is a Muddy Waters Media production. Check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Anchor, Twitter, Periscope, iTunes, Google Play, Float, Float.app slash muddied waters media slash live check us out everywhere be sure to like us follow us five star us hit that bell if there's a bell on the thing that you're looking at us at right now hit the bell if there's a heart hit that hit any of the things that demonstrate some kind of level of approval and desire to hear more of us hit all of the things if applicable and be sure to share this video right now the last thing that i want is for you and your closest loved ones who are, you know, quarantined away from the rest of the world to miss out on a roughly hour-long libertarian podcast on a Wednesday night. Share the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. This episode, of course, is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Dad Bod Calendar featuring some of the sexiest libertarian men that you will ever see, including this one right here, this sexy beast right here, Spike Cohen, also featuring featuring many other sexy libertarian men what better way to keep people from staying a at least six feet away from you than to have pictures like this 
near you. What better way? Uh, This episode is also brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing caucus in the Libertarian Party right now, I guess. It's one of the fastest growing. It's uh, fastest growing waffle related caucus. We have buttons too. Be sure to hit me up if you want buttons. We've got tons of buttons. This episode is also brought to you by the Vermin Spike 2020 campaign. Vermin Supreme, Spike Cohen, President, Vice President, Badger, Vermin Supreme 2020 taking over. This episode is also brought to you, of course, by Chris Reynolds. Personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. If you live in Florida, specifically the greater Tampa Bay area of Florida, and you have a personal injury, be sure to get in contact with Chris Reynolds. ChrisReynoldsLaw.com. The intro and outro music to this and every episode of My Fellow Americans comes from the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on Facebook, SoundCloud, Go to go to his bandcamp, joedavimusic.bandcamp.com, buy all of his music, his entire discography. Thank you so much, Mr. Joe Davi. I'd like to thank Kroger for this delicious, purified drinking water that I drink on this and most episodes of my fellow Americans. Bulavanaka. Oh, that is that is delicious Kroger flavored water. You can taste the Kroger in it. That's the best part of it. Uh, shout out to Tehran Turks' mom and him as always. Folks, before we get to our guest, we continue our ongoing My Fellow Americans Libertarian Party Platform Plank Explanation Segment. That is the shortest name I could come up with for this segment because really there is no good other way of explaining what it is. Basically, what we do, we devote a little bit of time every week uh, to, to, uh, for each episode to go over at least one plank in the Libertarian Party platform, explain what it means, and why we believe these things. Uh, tonight we are going to explain, explain plank 1.7, which is quite a mouthful. It is the crime and justice plank. More than likely, you cannot read what is there, but fear not, I actually can by getting really close to my mind. Well, I got to be close to the mic too. Um, so basically what the crime and justice plank of the Libertarian Party platform says is government force must be limited to the protection of the rights of individuals to life, liberty, and property, and governments must never be permitted to violate these rights. Laws should be limited in their application to violations of the rights of other of others through force or fraud or to to deliberate actions that place others involuntarily at significant risk of harm. Therefore, we favor the repeal of laws creating quote-unquote crimes without victims, such as gambling, the use of drugs for medicinal or recreational purposes, and consensual transactions involving sexual services. We support restitution to the victims to the fullest degree possible at the expense of the criminal or the negligent wrongdoer. The constitutional rights of the criminally accused, including due process, a speedy trial, legal counsel, trial by jury, and the legal presumption of innocence until proven guilty, must be preserved. We assert the common law right of juries to judge not only the facts, but also the justice of the law. We oppose the prosecutorial practice of overcharging in criminal prosecutions so as to avoid jury trials by intimidating defendants into accepting Plea bargains. Nice short one to go over today. Anyway, like we've said before when we talk about, you know, why, what the Libertarian Party platform is, is based on. It's based on the concept of self-ownership. You own yourself. You own your life. 
You own your body, you own your labor, and you own the product of your labor. So basically what this platform says is that any governing entity, whether it is a state form of government or a voluntary form of government or whatever, the only time that anyone should be punished or, or, or made to give restitution to someone else is if they have taken from someone else, if they've taken from you, your life, your body, your labor, or your property, if they've stolen from you, if they've killed you, if they've beaten you, if they've raped you, if they've done something taking from you without your consent, now they have actually committed an act of aggression. There is a victim, you in this case, or if you've done this to someone else, you have created a victim or many victims. And so there, for some reason, for that reason, you need to have uh, either some kind of punishment or some kind of restitution or something that is uh, 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 in keeping with what you did to them. So whatever you did to them, you owe something back. Or if you harm them, then you may need to be kept away from others so that you can't harm people, like if you committed murder or something like that. And ultimately, that's decided by the people in that community. But when the government goes in and puts you in jail because you took a substance that they don't think you should be able to take, even though you didn't directly harm anyone in doing that, that's wrong. If you have engaged in having sex with someone in exchange for money or property or something else, that's not really anyone's business except the people involved in that transaction. Putting you away when you didn't have any victim there, when you didn't actually take from someone against their will, is wrong. Um, another thing it talks about is the concept of, of what we call jury nullification, which means that juries, when looking at a case, should not just decide whether they think the uh, uh, the person did the crime that they were accused of, but whether it should be a crime to begin with. And we've talked about our one of my heroes, Catherine Bernard in Georgia, uh, who has very successfully used that concept of jury nullification to get you know all or most of her, her clients that are caught up in drug crimes off of the off of the charge. In fact, often the the, the prosecutor um, refuses to try the case because they don't want to set precedent and end up you know nullifying the drug war in in Georgia. That's a perfect example that jurors should be able to decide when they have something put in front of them that isn't an actual crime in their mind. For example, the sex trade, the drug trade, uh, um, um, you know anything like that. That anything that doesn't have a victim that they should be able to decide if that's even if they, if they should even be tried for that. It also talks about how there is this uh, common practice among prosecutors where they will charge you with like a thousand different things and and give you this really intimidating, you know, a uh, 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 group of basket of charges that they're going to charge you with with the idea of trying to pressure you to plead guilty even though you didn't do any of those things and that that should end. So basically this whole platform just says because the only the only purpose of having any kind of justice system is to preserve ourselves, our lives, our rights, our bodies, and our property. Anything that goes outside of that shouldn't be a law to begin with. So that's basically what that means. There's many different, you know, disagreements as to how that should be worded in terms of whether, you know, we even acknowledge that a government should exist or anything like that. But that's the basics of it, that if you're not harming other people, then there's no reason for anyone to uh, to, to, to be harming you, to be... Uh, 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 prosecuting you or, or trying to do anything to you. So that's what that means. Um, so now then, let's get to our guest. My guest tonight is the chair of the Montgomery County Libertarian Party. He's also the host of the Voice of Liberty podcast, of which I've been a guest. Great show. Uh, he is running for the uh, Pennsylvania State Senate in the 12th District of Pennsylvania uh, for 2022. 
And right now, he's fighting a very noble battle to keep the Republicans and Democrats from basically kicking all of the third-party candidates off the ballot this November, if they even let us vote this November. That that remains to be seen. Uh, but uh, anyway, my fellow Americans, please welcome to, to the show the amazing Mr. Henry Connolly. Henry, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on, Spike. Yeah, thank you. I, it was a, a real blast um, being on your show. I'm super happy, excited on mine. Um, this time you got to see everything I do before going live, so that must have been fun for you watching me have my little mini existential crisis while uh, while while waiting to go live. So I'm sure that was it was. I know when I'm a guest on someone else's show and I watch them have to go through all that, I breathe a sigh of relief because I don't have to do that. I just get to sit back and wait for them to ask me something. So I, I assume you felt some level of like, at least I'm not having to do this. Definitely, definitely. Especially when your podcast is live and mine's pre-recorded. Right. See the the difference in the crisis there. Pretty interesting. <laughs> it's crazy. Now, I will say this. When I'm recording, I find that I trip over my words more. Whereas when I'm live, it's just like, there's nothing I can do. Like, I can't go back and say it again. I'm live. And that gives me a level of freedom. But yes, that starting off and getting everything, making sure that we get on on the right time and all that, that is an absolute nightmare. And I, I totally encourage you to do it too for your show. You'll have such a blast. Um, so guys, be sure to comment with your questions and thoughts. Uh, and Henry and I will tell you if you are right or wrong. Now, Henry, this is your first time on the show. And what I usually ask guests who've never been on the show before is to kind of tell me the story of how you became a libertarian. Um, was it sort of an aha moment or sort of a gradual evolution over time? Uh, you know, so tell us that, tell us your little, your ditty, your Henry ditty. Well, so it's a very interesting situation for me. Um, I was raised in a Republican household. I believed staunchly that I was a Republican. Um, but I always had these non-Republican views, especially right. towards LGBTQ and, and certain things within the realm of typical leftism. Um, and I, I kind of thought that I would be a Republican that would shift the narrative and help change the party and make things different right. until 2016 came around. Yep. Um, I watched the, the Republican primaries. I watched what was happening and I saw the trend towards Donald Trump and I immediately realized Mango Mussolini, there's no way I could vote for him, so I needed to find someone else and something else to vote for. Um, watching the Democrats, I knew I couldn't go that route. And then here comes along this guy, this weed-smoking, you know, happy-go-lucky guy, Gary Johnson. I'm like, all right, whatever party put him up, that's got to be a party that's very interesting. So in 2016, that's when I got my first dip into being a libertarian. Um, I sought out my local libertarian committee back in 2018 got involved 2019 ran for office and now 2020 i am the chair of the committee and uh it's just been an upward battle since then um it's it's definitely been a party that i feel welcome in that i really do feel like uh represents me as person uh ideologically and you know outside of that politically very cool. So you're actually one of the the Gary Johnson people. So I, I it seems like the obviously probably the biggest uh, single person, including myself, uh, that that were uh, that brought people into libertarianism at least recently was um, was Ron Paul. And then you have people that were brought in 
by various, you know, reading uh, uh, Rothbard or, or reading, you know, some other uh, libertarian thinker, uh, uh, Mises or um, or uh, Bakunin or, or any of these people that kind of brought them into libertarianism. So you actually came in from uh, Gary Johnson, who was running for, for president. Yeah, I came in from Gary Johnson. I, I, I had heard of Ron Paul. I had heard of, you know, different, I, as I, I learned, libertarian uh, philosophers and thinkers, but I had never read their work. So Gary Johnson was my first uh, dip into it. And then I started reading Ina Rand and all the different libertarian thinkers. And that's kind of what grew my agreement with this party. Um, mind you, I've had an existential shift in the last about five to six months. I've gone from that right lower right quadrant of libertarianism. I have shifted over to the left quadrant. Um, and now I'm you know, a full-blown libertarian socialist uh, who gets called a statist. Well, here's the thing. The beauty of being a libertarian, you don't, you, you're not really a real libertarian until you're being regularly told that you're not a real libertarian. So you're, you're in yep. good company. I have a question because, you know, it, it's been a, interesting seeing people do their shifts between the different quadrants of libertarianism, which in my mind is usually more of an issue of preference of what a what a an, a voluntarily organized society would look like as opposed to republicans and democrats or or you know people that are in the authoritarian left and and right like state communists and fascists and people like that who are basically saying I'm going to point a gun at you and force you to live the way that I want you to my question yep. is would you say your move in towards liber- libertarian socialism is more that you have changed what your preferred society would look like or that you have in studying it seen that that is actually more what you've always been proposing but you just didn't you know know the definitions quite as well so it's a combination of things. I would say that um, through part of it, it's been a shift in my life and my my stance on what I want to see a community be. I've always been a person that believed um, that we should support each other and that we should take care of each other mm-hmm. and that those who don't have the means to take care of themselves need to have um, someone to fall back on, not to, to take advantage of, but to be able to live. I, I watch those around me. Uh, co-workers who can't afford insulin and stuff like that, that are, you know, they don't know what tomorrow is going to bring for them. So right. that whole libertarian socialist stance on community, on localization, on voluntary action really made a impact on me. Um, but looking back on it in hindsight, I would say that I probably always agreed with that side, just didn't really understand it enough. Right. And I have to give a shout out to my friend, Mike Shipley, uh, for really being the first person to show me what that was all about. Um, that's what really brought the change around. Yeah, Mike Shipley does a uh, an amazing job representing uh, his belief system and uh, to an often very skeptical audience. Um, I will say that over time I have found that uh, I, I am definitely more on the right side of the spectrum with libertarianism, but whereas before I believed that left libertarianism was incompatible with a, a truly voluntary society. I no, I no longer believe that, and I don't have a reason to believe that. And it was in talking with people like Mike and then reading more. Uh, I had read a lot of the, uh, a, a lot of the people on the, I guess the, the, the bread pill side of things on the, on the, the left libertarian side of things. Um, but I, uh, I found that, um, rereading it with a, 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 a still with a critical eye, but with more of an understanding of, the concepts behind the precepts. So instead of using my set of definitions 
to you know delineate what they're saying letting them decide, explain their definitions and then going from that. And that's been very helpful. So I'm probably somewhat more on the, the, the agorist side than the, you know, straight up ANCAP side than I, as I used to be. And uh, he's an anarcho mutual. So do you consider, consider yourself more like an anarcho mutualist like Mike is or anarcho syndicalist or not quite bothering to come up with a specific definition? I'd like to stick to calling myself a voluntarist. Um, I, I agree with the libertarian socialist ideals but i i will just call myself voluntarist just because i have not really decided where in that right. specific area i i agree on and the other thing that i i like to make sure people understand is just because i'm a libertarian socialist i don't believe i'm not a person that says well ancaps can't be ancaps right uh, i i rootly believe in localization uh, and, and really just bringing everything down. So yeah. I can have my libertarian socialist society I live in, ANCAPs can have theirs, and minarchists can set up their tiny little fake government that they want over in the corner, and we can all trade between each other right. and be happy. <laughs> right. No, that's fair. That's fair. And I, that's why I like about the whole voluntarist umbrella that, you know, we're we're voluntarily deciding to do these things and and, and we can learn from each other. It's like I say many times, seven and a half billion people scattered across this planet are not going to voluntarily structure their societies the exact same way as everyone else. Like that's not, if they were, they already would have. So the idea that, you know, if the state stopped existing, that they'd all go, we're going to all do things exactly the way that this, you know, branch of, of libertarian thought does and no other way. None of us, not a single one of us want to have anything that even looks remotely different than that. So I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the whole thing. Um, but, uh, so that brings us to voice of Liberty. Now you started voice of Liberty last year. I was a guest. Yes. Very, very cool. You had a big guest, Spike Cohen. You've had, actually had a few big guests, but t- tell me about why you started Voice of Liberty and uh, and what you. We've got your your link to Voice of Liberty in the show notes. But tell us about what uh you know what what got you doing that, what you hope to accomplish with Voice of Liberty, and, and where you're headed with it. So Voice of Liberty was hatched. Um, I think I started that about two weeks prior. Uh, to my election in November. And at that point, I had kind of already seen where the election probably was going to swing. I had a figure that the Republican, Gary Andrus, who I I respect a lot, he's a great guy. Um, I I had a feeling he was going to win. I had a very good feeling Kareem Landau, the Democrat, she was going to lose. And so I was like, all right, I need to have something to fall back on to take up this time that I've spent campaigning. Uh, so I came up with Voice of Liberty. I decided that that was going to be my chance to give a voice to uh, candidates that are running for office, whether it be local, state, or federal. Because right. one of the things I learned the hardest about running for office is you have to hound the press and the media to try and even talk <laughs> to you as a yes. and a third-party candidate. So yes. I decided, you know what? I'm going to hound the candidates to come on my show so they can spread their platform. Um, so the best way I thought I could kick off Voice of Liberty uh, was right after I became, and this is something that I'm proud of, and anybody watching from my committee, they'll love this. I, after I became a hashtag election spoiler, um, I started off running presidential candidates. I thought that was the best way to get the voice out there. And since then, I've been lucky enough to have everything from presidential candidates to vice presidential candidates 
to state and local candidates running for some really awesome offices. I've gained a good following and I'm just, I'm very happy that I've been able to do it. Down the road, I wanna see this really expand to convention coverage, to being able to go out to all the different state conventions, national, you know, if national happens, um, and, and just have a chance to give a voice to all the different people out there in the Libertarian Party. That's really cool. Yeah, we, uh, we here at uh, Muddy Waters Media fully hope uh, that we are able to have Coronavention uh, the Libertarian <laughs> Coronavention in Austin, uh, brought to you by the CDC and Purell hand sanitizer um, this time of uh, in a couple months. Uh, that increasingly looks like that's not going to be happening, uh, or at least it's going to be delayed. Um, it's supposedly the LNC is working on that, uh, but we'll see. So, based, so you actually started your show to bring your opponents on so that you could, I guess, basically like make them look bad and then and then and then you know spoil so you you, so you talk about you spoiled the election you actually made it so that one of the candidates lost right like like you actually like took enough took enough of their votes convinced enough voters that you were a better option than them that they actually lost right yeah i put the vote difference and if i remember correctly i think it was 13 votes difference between the two of them i secured 38 or 39 votes and so by doing that, I just brought them so close that there was no chance that uh, Korean Landauer was going to win the election, which was uh, a pretty cool thing for me. I didn't realize it until uh, Jen Moore, who is now my vice chair, um, pointed it out to me. And I was like, wow, OK, I just did something. And so that's that's just something that I've been carrying as a uh, as a sign of pride. <laughs> that's really cool. Listen, if we aren't at a point in different elections, whether it's presidential, vice presidential state house state senate whatever governor whatever whatever the position is if we aren't able to actually win the election if nothing else if we're able to move the needle enough so that the other candidates have to scramble to change their positions and even if because politicians lie even if they're having to lie differently they're at least giving credence to your ideas so as where before they would go oh those libertarians they're ridiculous they sound stupid but if you if you if you potentially can take enough of their votes where they have to now actually say, oh, well, you know, actually, that sounds like a good idea. They're giving legitimacy to your idea and helping move that Overton window closer to what you want, changing the discussion from whether we should grow government the way go- uh, Republicans want us to or grow government the way Democrats want us to injecting the conversation of should we even be growing government or I don't know. Should we maybe be reducing government or here's a fancy one. Do we even need a government just moving it? So even if you're spoiling the election, which I don't like the idea that you took someone's votes, they, they, those people who have agency voted for you because they thought you were the best option. But if you're able to move the needle enough so that it at least kind of scares the other candidates, that's a move in the right direction, right? Yeah, definitely. And, um, I had the coolest thing within my town, Hatfield, which is where I ran. I ran for Hatfield Ward 5 Commissioner. Okay. I had pretty much a very specific group of people or a couple different specific groups of people that voted for me. Ones that couldn't stamp, uh, stomach Jerry Andrus but couldn't vote for the Democrat either. Hmm. Ones that couldn't stomach Korean Landauer but couldn't vote for Jerry Andrus either. Right. Or I had the ones that sat there and went, wait, there's a third option. I don't have to vote for these two idiots. 
sweet, I'm going for him. And, uh, you know, because traditionally, roughly every eight to 12 years, the seat flips from one party to the other. So they were super excited to have that chance to have a third option, someone different that is just not heard of in, in the town. And I also had the chance to dispel so many of those foul rumors about what libertarians believe in, which right. is really nice. So you did kind of at your local level, which, which, and it sounds like, so it's sort of like a swing area, right? Like you said, it goes back and forth between the, the Republicrats here and the Republicrats there. So yeah. you've kind of done on, on that level, um, sort of the same thing that it, well, to some extent, the same thing that, that, you know, Vermin and I are trying to accomplish with our campaign, where we're trying to get votes from people who can't stand Trump, but aren't going to vote for Biden, and people who can't stand Biden and aren't going to vote for Trump. And there's a tremendous amount of overlap between both parties of people that aren't sure if they can't stand Biden, but won't vote for Trump, or if they can't stand Trump, but won't vote for Biden. And we're sort of that third option of, hey, we're neither we're neither of these terrible lying sociopaths that can't form a, a proper sentence, uh, a complete sentence. We're you know tr- tr- try us out, and uh, and then that gives the, I, I, the 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 opportunity for us to to change the the conversation in those areas. Sort of like you were saying, dispel some of these uh, for those who have heard of libertarianism. Unfortunately, a lot of them have not heard good things, and that's been because of propaganda against us, and it's been because of some really garbage hot takes from some people who are libertarian on what libertarianism is and maybe they just that's not their bag to explain why they're libertarian maybe they could just leave that to people who are able to demonstrate empathy and libertarians yeah well and i mean some of them are actual libertarians they just really are not good at the part about influencing others and making friends and you know, building cola. Like, they're good libertarians, and I'm certainly not taking anything away from them. Not everyone is good at explaining a belief system to someone else. Not everyone is good at doing it and then being told, well, that sounds selfish, that sounds stupid, why would I want that? And and then still being able to have a good conversation. A lot of times people will respond back with, well, you're stupid, or, you know, you're selfish, or, you know, no, you know, my rights matter more than your grandma, or whatever, you know, whatever they're saying right now. You know, like, they're, they're maybe, you know, not necessarily having the, 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 the best way of doing it. And so that's what Vermin and I are doing, and it sounds like that's what you did. I, I would be remiss not to bring this up. Your show, and even right now, you have the sexiest lighting of any libertarian podcast. You know, we've all trying to do our own thing, right? Like, there are different libertarian podcasts. Some are, you know, I try to reach out more to non-libertarians in my messaging. Um, you know, others are, you know, they're, they're, they've, you know they, they're, they're big about, you know, promoting the message within the, par- within the movement and the party. Uh, there are others that, you know, they want to dis- distinguish themselves as the most outrageous or whatever else. And you, your thing seems to be, from what I can tell, that you have the most sensual lighting of any libertarian are the, is that a black light no that's actually a professional uh concert lighting system that i have hidden behind me on the floor um outside of my full-time job and outside of my political political activism i also do concert lighting and of course due to coronavirus that's out of business oh right gosh now, so, yeah 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 um, what I did was when I started the podcast, I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's implement some of these lights and create some really nice lighting scenes behind me and stuff like that. And well, that's how you get a blue room behind me. It's cool. It's, it looks, I'm not making fun of you. Like it really looks great. Like I, I remember when, um, when I had you on, 
or when I was on your show, and I think it was like you had like a blackish purple background, and I'm looking yep. at, I'm like, I just have a beige wall behind me, and like, like this is just the accent wall in our guest room, and I thought I looked nice, and then I look at yours, and I'm like, ooh, I need to do something sexy with mine. So I still haven't because there's no way my wife's going to let me put black lights or, or concert lighting in here. But anyway, a boy can dream. Um, so here's why I brought you on. Well, first of all, I brought you on because you're great. And I've been wanting to return the favor ever since you were had me on your show, which uh, you were so gracious to do. Um, we have a real bad situation. going. Oh, no, actually, first of all, let's talk about. So you're running for the 12th district of the Pennsylvania state Senate. So you're running for state Senator, not this cycle, but for 2022, or I guess it'll be the next time it's up in 2022. What are the, what made you want to get into that race? And what are the things that you find to be the biggest issues facing people in your district and in Pennsylvania? So the first thing I'll say is that I am officially unofficially running for that position. And of course I, I haven't, gain the blessing of the local committee and right i I would not jump the gun on that ever although i want to start getting people that follow my uh candidate page to start seeing where i'm heading Mm -hmm. um so running for ward five commissioner that was that nice entry point into politics it gave me an idea of how to run a campaign it was a grassroots campaign and i thought okay the next thing i got to do will be something that will require a true campaign. And that's right. something I want the experience of. Um, I would have ran uh, election this current cycle, but one of my good friends, John, he is running for PA 53 uh, House of Representatives, and I would never take that shot against him because he has a excellent rapport with uh, the current incumbent, so he can really use some, uh, some current uh, rapport with him to really – gain traction on his election right right looking within my age range and you know what i'll be eligible for uh the state uh senate district 12 was really the next thing that i could look at so okay looking at it the best thing i can say right now is that um my analysis on everything and of course i'm still plugging away at it and kind of getting some ideas of where i'm going to stick to is um my whole point of running is to give a bigger voice to the idea of localization and voluntary action. Um, and that's why I want to run for that office because I think even if I can spoil the election, um, which it would be nice to be a two time election spoiler, I deserve a nice belt <laughs> like WWE has if I do that. Right. Um, the, the thing about that is, is I could probably gain enough attention because as far as I know, no third party candidate, um, from the Libertarian Party, from the Green Party, from really anybody has ran for that position. And if I'm wrong, someone will correct me on this. Um, so I can use the fact that I'd be the first third party candidate running for it, the youngest person running for it, to really hopefully gain some uh, media attention to the whole purpose of localization and voluntary action. Because in the end of the day, that's where I want to go. Right. I don't see the purpose for a federal government. I don't see the purpose for, honestly, a state government. I want to see everything come down to the local level where it impacts us the most. So all of my platforms, all of my policies will, as I craft them, will be crafted around the idea of, hey, you live in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Lansdale is going to make sure that they suit their government to fit you. Um, don't worry about us up on the state level. We're just doing what the minimally PA state constitution uh, mandated items are. Right. And what we do, we should be so unimportant that we 
aren't a concern of yours. Right. And that's that's the whole idea that I'm going for. Right. And with the idea that you're you're promoting sort of doing agitprop for the idea that we don't need any of this to begin with, that, you know, we're trying to reduce it as much as possible, but also none of this is necessary. And, and we're actually just doing harm reduction with the idea that we should be against all of this harm. Um, and, you know, it doesn't matter whether you vote Republican or Democrat or, or frankly, whether you vote Republican, Democrat or Libertarian. Um, we're just trying to promote a message of of getting rid of this government. And so, you know, a vote for me is a vote for moving us in the direction of reducing and, and possibly even eliminating government. And here's why you would want that. So, I mean, that's right. what we're, that's what we're doing on the national level and it's what you're doing in uh, district 12 in, in Pennsylvania. So that's, that's awesome. Now, before we get into open the ballots, the buttons here. So you've got, it's actually easier to see here. You've got your vermin button cause you are on team Supreme. Uh, right, right over here. Yeah. You're the, <laughs> your, your title is you're the love gunner. Yeah, you're the love gunner for our for our team. Uh, we have some very interesting team names, and then you are you've got your is that a bottom is that the no tanks no helicopters bottom unity sticker here? That it is. Okay, the the button, and then you got your libertarian button. Um, so you've got I don't I I have my flare. I never wear my flare. I never wear like I even have my taxationist theft hat. I'm t- you know I'm terrible with the with the wearing flair and stuff like that. So anyway, the reason that I, I, I main reason I had you wanted to have you on is right now we are having a situation with this COVID pandemic where in addition to all the other terrible things that uh, the government is, is, is uh, exploiting this crisis uh, to, to do against us. We saw today that they passed a uh, relief bill and I made a video about that, about how it's actually just a giant pork bill where they're, they're running up trillions of dollars of debt that we all have to pay and basically handing almost all of that money uh, to uh, big banks and big businesses and Wall Street uh, and themselves, their own government programs, uh, and giving us back a check for 1200 bucks. They're giving us back basically like eight cents on their 12 cents on the dollar, uh, 10 cents, something like that. You know, a fraction of the money they're taking from us. They're giving us a check back. Here, treat yourself. Um, oh, yeah, by the way, you're going to be paying off this debt for the next 30 years. Um, so they did that. But another, another thing they're doing is they're basically using this pandemic as a reason to kick everyone off the ballot that isn't a Republican or a Democrat. Give us a little bit of background about how what they're doing with this pandemic before we get into what Open the Ballots is about. So with the virus, um, whether you want to call it, you know, SARS, NCV, uh, NCOV2 or COVID-19 or whatever right. you want to refer to it, because there are a few different scientific names, as we know. Yeah. Um, what they're doing is they're, they're through them telling us to shut down, to social distance, all of these things. I, I, I know on one side they're thinking that they're going to help and solve problems, but on the same token, I guarantee you an ulterior motive that they have is they know that this is going to have an impact on the parties that challenge them constantly, libertarians being one of them, greens being the other, because what, as we move into open the ballots and when I talk on it, this is not just a libertarian fight. I'm right. reaching out to third parties in general to fight this fight. Um, they are essentially making it next to impossible for us to do what we need to do. And so that's where this whole idea of open the ballots came from, is a coalition that's ready to raise hell quite figuratively and put them in a position where they have to either purposely 
exclude us and exclude voices and commit acts of voter suppression, or they have to start admitting that the challenges they put in place for us to get on the ballots are completely preposterous and don't need to exist. Right. And that's where we're at right now. Right. So basically, long story short of, of what they're doing, uh, as I understand it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, most states have a requirement that if you're not a Republican or a Democrat, they're automatically on the ballot. It doesn't matter. There isn't a single area where Republicans and Democrats aren't automatically on the ballot. But in most states, if you're not a Republican or a Democrat, if you're a Libertarian, if you're Constitution Party, Green Party, DSA, whatever, if you're one of these third party or independent candidates, the only way you can get on the ballot is by getting a certain number of petitions signed. In some, it's only a few hundred petitions. In some, in other states, it's like in New York, it's like 200,000 petitions or something like that. Like you have to get a ton of signatures on your petition, uh, depending on which state they all have different levels. And then you have to pay all these ridiculous fees to get on the ballot. And then they, they do their best to try to invalidate as many of the signatures. Like it's a whole spiel. But basically, oh, yeah. if you have enough dedicated people to go out to big events and, and hand out petitions and say, hey, we're just trying to get you as many choices as you can uh, for the upcoming election. Just sign here. You don't have to vote for us or anything else. We're just trying to get signatures to get on the ballot. And usually, if you have enough dedicated people that can get out there into different big events and you know parades and fairs and, and whatever else and just ask people to sign to allow more... Uh, to allow your party and candidates on the ballot, usually you can get enough signatures for that. You know, easier in some states than others, but for the most part, you can do that. Well, right Right. now, the government has shut down everything. Uh, And and even if they haven't shut down, even in the places where they haven't fully shut down things, no one's really gathering right now. And no one wants to answer the door and touch something, touch touch a petition that everyone else has touched to sign it at a time when we're being told to stay six feet away from everyone, the last thing they want to do is open their door for strangers. So it's made it functionally impossible uh, for libertarian candidates to, and others, Green Party and everything else, to, to get on the ballot. So in a way, by keeping these requirements in place and making it functionally impossible for you to do what you need to do, most of these states are basically saying, yeah, no, screw you. If you're not a Republican or a Democrat, you're not going to be a choice on the ballot. Is that is that correct? Yeah, that's pretty much the case. And I mean, you know, speaking specifically within Pennsylvania, um, you know, state level candidates, there are 5,000 signatures, if I remember correct. Um, and then local level candidates, they're 10% of the highest vote getter in the last election. Um, and that type of thing is very tough to accomplish in this situation. As you were saying, no one wants to open a door, grab a piece of paper that, um, you know, 25, 30 other people have touched and a pen that, you know, 25 or 30 other people have touched right. and sign a paper risking getting COVID-19 exactly. or NCOV, whatever you want to call it. Correct. It's, it's preposterous. And yeah, exactly. The, um, by shutting everything down, it's made it next to impossible for us to do this. And it's created a situation where, unless we take action, not just as the Libertarian Party, but as third parties in general, and, you know, give ensure that there's a voice out there for all of our supporters, there's just going to be Republicans and Democrats, and it's going to come back down to that horrible phrase, voting for the lesser of two evils, and we're going to be stuck right back where we were, and especially going into 2020, where 
Um, the 2019 election cycle was a killer election cycle, you know, speaking specifically on the Libertarian Party. Right. 2020, we could really accomplish a lot. And, you know, if we do good in 2020, then 2021 can be even more killer. But in the situation we're in, we're going to lose one of those stepping stones that we need. Right, right. And it's a general election. So there's way more attention than in the than in the um, especially in the I mean, so 2019 is not even a midterm election. It's like an off year election. And and the libertarians did pretty well with that 2018 and the even numbered years uh, or or every even numbered year that isn't, you know, a, a general election. Those are the midterm years, which get a little bit more attention. But the big attention is in 2020, 2024, 2028, the general elections that have the presidential uh, ballot on it. That's always the one that has the the biggest turnout of any of the other elections, which is still only just above 50 percent because half of the voters, you know, have have given up on on electoral politics. Half of the eligible voters have given up on electoral politics. And I don't blame them. Um, But so basically, they're just trying to shut everyone out. And again, I'm 50-50 on whether we're even going to be able to vote in November. I, I can fully see them using this as an excuse to, to you know, ex, ex, you know, if, if this thing is still nasty in the fall for them to, to say, oh, no, we're going to have to do it sometime next year. But assuming that we're still having an election in November, then, you know, this would be absolutely terrible for people not to have an option. They already try to convince everyone that, you know, you have to choose from the, the, the two parties because the other ones don't have a chance. Um, but to actually just remove them completely makes it even worse worse now one of our comment one of our followers uh fotini henderson brought this up and and you actually have this here in 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 some of your goals um you are trying to uh first of all trying to seek eliminating the signature requirement at least for this cycle now how would that look are you trying to are you trying to say allow all third parties on it or just anyone that qualified in the last election cycle or what would that look like if, if if you had your druthers and the the states went along with just removing the signature requirements how would they actually get on they would just request or it would just be whatever parties qualified last time or, or how, how would you want that so i mean i gotta be realistic with certain things um if i got my my wishes and i was able to get the the signature requirements waived for mm-hmm. this cycle the first thing that i gotta speak on there is getting those signature requirements waived for this cycle will give us a basis to fight to have them waived in their entirety right uh, which would be the end goal of this whole thing right um as far as what candidates what parties could take part if we were able to get the signature requirements eliminated my opinion on it is this as long as that candidate or party does the state filing fee or whatever it is, right. let's be honest, I'm not going to get them and we're not going to get them to get rid of everything. Right. You know, whether it's a $25 filing fee or whatever it is, if they can pay it, if they can you know, show the intent through that to be on the ballot, then sure, let them be on the ballot because that is true democracy and that is true freedom. Everybody then will have the candidate on the ballot that they agree with, that they can vote for. And then we're going to get a real good idea of where this country stands. And that's where I kind of look at this. So try to, if at all possible, get it so that the signature requirements completely removed, but at the very least in this cycle, but even if it's just in this cycle, try to maybe use that as a challenge in the future of saying, well, we didn't need it this cycle and everything went fine. Um, And so basically, you know, whatever state filing requirements they have, 
if you can meet that, you end up on the ballot. And if that's not something that they're okay with, fall back on some kind of electronic signature approval uh, if signature requirements not waived. And that's what one of our commenters asked. Is that kind of, a, a, I guess, a backup idea that, you know, to, you know, have some kind of system set up where you can say, you know, whether it's a change.org petition or something like that saying we got this many people to sign it? Correct. So like the, of course, the main goal waive the signature requirement. Of course, you got to have a negotiating tool. I mean, I work in an RV dealership and, you know, all of our salesmen, of course, they have the MSRP and then they have that bottom line they can negotiate down to. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and it's the same idea here. My, my MSRP, if you want to call it, is eliminate the signature requirement. But Completely, I'm willing right. to negotiate down to, hey, let's do electronic signatures. Now, how could we do them? Uh, set up a blockchain site that way the security is really, really top. Uh, a change.org petition, as you said, would be another good one. Um, or even a the candidate's website being able to collect, uh, based upon unique IP addresses, uh, those signatures. And then we can present that to the state and say, hey, listen, this candidate did get the 50 signatures or whatever it is. Right. Here's the unique IP addresses or whatever to verify it. And then there we go. Let that candidate on the ballot let that candidate's supporters have a voice and then we can rock along and prove why there needs to be more than two choices. Right, 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 right. And I mean, it, it there's a way to do it. Like there's definitely a way to do it. If, if there are plenty of online petitions that people take seriously. And again, this isn't the vote. This You aren't saying you have to elect us because we had this many. You're simply saying, listen, we've demonstrated that there is enough attention for our party to justify having us on. If, like you said, right. if we if we can't just completely eliminate some kind of threshold for, for signatures. Because I, I get the idea of a threshold for signatures because then otherwise you could end up with an a 82-page long you know ballot that's you know got everyone that's... I, I get it. I get it. Is that ideal democracy? Yes. Do I understand the idea that you at least have to get, I don't know, a couple hundred people to say they'd even be interested in you to to to, to get on there? I yeah, I, I I understand that. That I understand. Um, but the problem is, like you said, in this cycle, that's you can't. Like it, it would, you'd actually be breaking the law, and put more importantly, you'd be potentially putting people's health and safety at risk by going around and spreading this sheet of paper to, I mean, it's, you know, Hey, you want to join my little vector club that I've created here? Like it's, you know, for something like this, I get why it has to be waived and, and, and why there'd be no reason in the first place to not have it be electronic. Uh, one of our, our commenters, Fotini said, uh, she talked about DocuSign, which is what she's used for real estate transactions. Like there are, you know, uh, uh, systems that, you know, log your IP and, and, and have an encrypted way of, of checking and making sure that you're not just signing it 50 times, you know, or a hundred times or whatever. So I think that that's perfect. was actually one of the things we talked about in our planning meeting, um, as a tool to be used because it's already accepted as a legal signature, which we were, we were sitting there thinking, well, what if we were to just take a bunch of ballot sheets get people to fill them out on DocuSign, and then we take that to the courts and say, listen, it's used in almost any other legal format. Why is it not legal here? This candidate got 50 signatures on DocuSign, 50 independent IP addresses. This is it. You know, they they were practicing social distancing. They were trying not to spread the virus. They were trying not to break the law. Right. And they did the effort to get the signatures needed to be on the ballot recognize that 
Yeah. So that's that's that whole fallback thing. And and just quickly back to the whole elimination of signatures. That's why I sit there and say, there's got you know we got to be realists. You know, us libertarians, right. we like to sit there and you know live in this like utopian world, um, and we can't always live there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I feel like that's common across all third parties. We have that utopian state we want to be in, but we got to be realists about it. That's why I say if we get rid of the signature requirement that, you know, okay, a state filing fee or something like that, um, you know, maybe a tiered fee based upon the office running for something to show that you have put in the effort to run for that office. That way, you know, it's not an 82 page ballot sheet and we're spending five hours in a booth trying to fill it out. Right. And I mean, again. I'm not against the 82-page ballot, although if it's electronic, you're having to scroll like this the whole time, and you, or, or or it's like a real old system, and you got to press the little down button, and you're like, I just want to well, vote PA, for him. we just started using Scantrons like we're back in high school. So oh, it's, wow. It's, Do you yeah, have to bring a number great. two pencil? or Fill in the bubble, and then scan that thing in. So you can imagine how long that will take. Really? Yes. It would Our be this like super long scan... It would look like when you used to play skee ball and like and then it would spit out the tickets. That's what your scantron yep. would look at like like with all the names on the ballot. No, no, I'm just right. looking for Henry. Where's Henry? Yep, Henry. <laughs> there we go. Uh where's Vermin and Spike? There we go. Oh, Vermin and Spike. Like I mean, so I, I get why they want to try to like weed out people that aren't going to get four votes. I get it. Like I understand that, but there's a way to make it electronic. Like there's a way to make it where you can do this in a legit way, especially with the conditions we're under. So I, I, I do understand that. So you're also working on, on raising awareness, which is what we're trying to do right now to the fact that there are these major barriers and, 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 and roadblocks that third parties face just trying to get on the ballot. You know, a lot of people don't realize they think, Oh, you know, the reason you're not on the ballot is because you suck or whatever. And it's like, no, it's because the two main parties, which in my mind are, I call them the Republicrats. They are one party. They have two heads, but they're basically going to give you the same thing. Endless spending, endless war, endless caging of people for victimless crimes, endless taxation, uh, endless uh, infringing upon your lives, rights, bodies, and property. It doesn't matter which side you vote for. But we'll pretend for a minute that there, that there are two parties and that you're being given two distinct options. They've made it so that those are your only two distinct options. And they happen to both just suck a lot. Which, like, the vast majority of voters recognize that they suck. And yet they don't vote third party, often because they're not on the ballot. Or they had to spend all of their budget just getting on the ballot, whereas the Republicans and Democrats are automatically on the ballot and don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And with that in mind, I mean, one of the things that people got to understand within the Libertarian Party specifically here is how privileged we are being the third largest party, because we have a very large grassroots effort behind us. We got a lot of people that we can get behind our campaigns, get out there and be petitioning. And our state and local parties are let me rephrase this. Some of the local parties, most of the state parties and, of course, national, they have the money to be out there paying for paid petitioners right um when we really talk about the issues that we face i i'm really thinking about the other third parties too uh because i want to see true democracy i want to see everybody having a voice and so like the green party they're not nearly as large as us they don't have the money they don't have the backing right to be doing the dsa they don't even though you know they tend to go for that fringe democrat um 
they don't. And, and the other third parties that are out there, they definitely don't have that support. So um, yeah, when you really look at it, there's reasons we don't make it on the ballot. And that's because the, the, there's so many roadblocks and hoops to jump through. And, you know, especially when you're fresh to running for office, some of those hoops that you're jumping through, you don't realize that you're supposed to jump through the one that's flaming, the one that's not flaming, and, and all these <laughs> different things, because uh, nothing's clear. Right. And so we, we need to make it simpler. We need to make it more free. And that's that's what we're going to raise hell about. That's fair. No, I mean, it's great that you're doing this. I want to go through some of these comments uh, about you. You've got some fans here. Uh, oh, God. Respect to you. Uh, I hope you have a pink light too. Um, uh, I can't believe he just called uh Minarchy fake. That's Jacob. Minarchy, Minarchy's fake, Jacob. Um, uh, let's see what else here. Love your lighting. Love your flair. Um, what else? Uh, da, 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 da. oh, uh, you look like Post Malone. Um, <laughs> uh. I know, and and she followed up, and Clonnie Johnson. She followed up and said, "I know he knows he looks like Post Malone." Any any comment on that? Any comment on Post Malone? Um, I mean, Post Malone, he's a pretty cool dude. If I if I remember, didn't he do something with Ozzy Osbourne? I don't listen to a ton of rap, so um, I mean, I'm a metalhead and a folk artist oh, okay. uh, follower. So, um, does he have a bunch of face tattoos? Doesn't that kind of make yeah. it hard for me to look like him? So she said you look like Post Malone without the tattoos. Okay. So like more of like more of a clean cut Post Malone. And yes, he did do a song with 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 Ozzy called Take What You Want. Okay, so then yeah, I, I've seen that. Okay, I can kind of see the resemblance. I kind of see it. And uh I, I did I hadn't built up as much um roundness in my face people used to call me sheldon from uh from um oh god a blank and oh the big bang uh, yeah yeah yeah. um (laughs) when i have my glasses off my old glasses i looked more like them also when i was thinner i didn't have a beard oh wow if you don't have a beard you look like sheldon kind of vish (laughs) i mean not exactly but i see that about 25 pounds ago yeah wow so sheldon with a little bit more weight and a beard and tattoos is Post Malone. There we go. That is hilarious. We learned so much on this show. Um, <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Okay, so your goals... So like you've said, you're basically... You're, you're trying to partner with other third parties and independents. Because this isn't... I mean, ultimately, our goal is to get the Libertarian Party on there. But this isn't just for us. Like, this is to try to you're not going to be able to break what we call the duopoly or what I call the republicrats without bringing in allies even if we disagree even even if we disagree with green party people almost as much as we disagree with republicans and democrats we can at least agree or constitution party or reform party or whatever else as long as they're not like nazis we can ally with them and 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 you know go for the same goal that we have here to to be able to get on the ballot not because we spent a freaking two million dollars across the country and spent countless you know hours uh of productivity just to get signatures but because we're we deserve to be on the ballot too if we're going to pretend 
I'm going to I'm going to do some I'm I'm doing anarchist stuff now. If we're going to pretend that government has some legitimate authority over us, that the fact that that they sit in these, you know, uh uh these these marble buildings and sign fancy sheets of paper and put pieces of metal on people and order them to go rob us and that the reason that the fact that they do it this way and call themselves the government and pretend write down they they make sure to write down on a sheet of paper I have the authority to do this vested in me by myself that the fact that they went through all of that makes them somehow different than any other violent thief. If we're going to pretend that that's the, the, the case, then the system that they have given us, that they've imposed on us, for us to choose who's going to lord over us or not, should be really democratic. It should be us choosing whomever we want and not having to spend a fortune and scrape and beg the state to allow us on the ballot. Like, if there's some minimal thing just to make sure that you have even a few people supporting you, that's one thing. But to to have it where there's this massive threshold for you to even be able to have someone vote for you, in my mind, just completely does away with the whole idea that we are consent of the governed. It's just one more chip in that block, right? So, so... All that to say, I got off on a big rant there. I know you. I know. I know you agree with me. But the point of all that is, we're working. You're going to be working, or are working actively with other third parties to 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 help push this message. Open the ballots is not a partisan libertarian party thing. It was started by libertarians. But this is an this is a a multi partisan you know third party effort. Correct. Yeah. So. When I looked at things when it came to this, I, I felt like that it would be very hypocritical of us as the party of liberty, the party of freedom, um, to just leave this as a libertarian-only thing. Um, so that's when I brought up the idea of, okay, we need to reach out to the Green Party. We need to reach out to the DSA and whoever else we can find because, one, they ha- deserve a spot on the ballot just as much as we do. And Two, they shouldn't be jumping through the hoops that we have to either. And three, we're stronger when all of us unite together. Right. You know, the duopoly, they can continue to uh, to pick at one party. But when you have multiple parties uniting, saying, okay, end this, get rid of these draconian methods that we have to go or uh, draconian steps that we have to go through to get on the ballot, then it starts to become a problem for them because we raise a ton of hell. We can get ourselves on to, you know, even the mainstream news and raise hell on there. I mean, even if they cut us out, if we get five minutes to sit there and rant, that's going to go viral. That's five minutes more than we would have gotten. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So if we can take those steps and you know what? The DSA or the Green Party or constitutionalists, they might have lawyers within their ranks that we don't have within the Libertarian Party. Right. And then we put... The, the lawyers that exist within the Libertarian Party with their lawyers and allow their heads to come together, mm-hmm. well, suddenly we're picking out constitutional basises for why we should be on the ballot in right. every single state. And next, you know, we're making it really hard. We're making it to the point where the state and the, the, the secretary of state, the governor, the attorney general, and then, of course, just the House and Senate have to decide, are we going to violate the state constitution or are we going to step aside and allow people that could potentially start gaining victories and wiping us out or balancing the slate at least get on the ballot? And that's that's the real end game is creating a situation where they don't have an argument anymore. They have an argument now. We don't want them to have an argument anymore. Right. And and 
if nothing else, just having more people and showing that this isn't just the Libertarian Party wants to get on the ballot. It's we want to open the ballots. I mean, that open the ballots doesn't just mean for the Libertarian Party. And that's a powerful thing to have multiple parties. The Transhumanist Party, I'm sure, would love to be a part of this. Um, you know, all of these different parties to get together and say, listen, whatever we disagree on, we agree that we are sick of... of having to waste all this money and time. Honestly, it's time more than money in some cases, oh, yeah. where, where you're just wasting countless hundreds of thousands of hours across the country sele- uh, uh, collecting uh, uh, signatures just to get you know on a ballot. And, and like you said, whatever it takes to get in front of people for two minutes, five minutes, 30 seconds, 10 minutes, the, 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 the social media has done a, an incredible job. And, and you know, one... I guess if you have to call it a silver lining of this whole lockdown thing is, you know, the Republicans and Democrats can't, uh, you know, try to present themselves as the only popular option anymore because they can't get in front of crowds of, you know, of you know, they can't fill stadiums and and spend taxpayer money on on concessions to fill stadiums for their events to make them look like the popular option. They have to sit in front of a webcam just like me. And they don't have the experience in doing that. So we actually make them look like the amateurs. I'm ranting again. But the bottom line is that you know, we have an opportunity to 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 show them that we're every bit as valid as they are. And this opened the ballots. This was the catalyst to start it. But I see this as long after we have, uh, you know, because we're going to survive this. We're going to get past this pandemic. Once the pandemic's over, once the, 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 the immediate chaos from that is over, there's always going to be this push. This starts a push for all of the, the candidates to all of the parties, the third parties to stop uh, you know, this this ridiculous chokehold that the FEC and the state election boards uh, have. Now, you had sent me some stuff here that are your, uh, I guess, your short-term goals and your strategies to push this forward. Um, talk to me about that. What is the strategy that you and the other people in Open the Ballots are using to try to push this forward between, not just between now and November, but between now moving forward? So that's the beautiful thing about this is um, anybody that wants to get, uh, I'll say this first, anybody that wants to get involved in the initiative, again, no matter what party, uh, third party you exist in, if you're an independent, um, hashtag open the ballots is the group name. Currently, it's only a group. We're creating the page. We're working on logos and stuff like that. Cool. Uh, the beauty of it right now is we're just starting to formulate um, some really intense planning. Um, right now we are putting together a press release, um, that will be more of a press release packet, uh, that will go out to all of these different news agencies that have already been discussing, uh, how COVID-19 is going to impact the elections, right. how it's going to impact third parties in the election, because believe it or not, that has been said, but what I don't think they have, and that's where we're really picking up is they haven't had a third party actually unite or a singular third party come on and go understand what we go through because those in the media they don't understand they have no clue we're not creating a movement per se we are tagging on to them uh new york times wall street journal uh cnn and a bunch of others have already discussed this i this topic we're just tagging on to it so we're going to be creating press releases um and we're going to be sending them out all over the place. Cool. Um, one of the things we're doing is the Libertarian Party did highlight about 10 states that are going to be very, very tough for us and that the national 
uh, party is already working to petition in and to get things overturned. So one of the things we're going to do is we're going to tag team uh, hounding their governor, their secretary of state, their attorney generals. If we have to, House and Senate members, we're going to hound them on Twitter. We're going to hound them on Facebook. If we have a person in that state, we'll put them in their Capitol building and hound them as they're going in and out of the building. Nice. We don't care. We're one of the things, Spike, you'll, you know this as a libertarian yourself. One of the things we are really good at is hounding people without the fear of being arrested. Right. Um, so um, usually when you have a libertarian dive into a movement like this, mm. they will go do that even if the state threatens them. Oh, so, especially. Especially so, if the state threatens them. That makes exactly. it even sweeter. Like I'm even more likely to do it, yeah. But um, so, you know, we're going with the press releases on the press side of things because we want to get into that conversation that's already happening. Because if we can get third parties into the media and we can get a representative from the Libertarian Party, from the Green Party, from the DSA, all these different group or uh, political parties into the media, mm -hmm. suddenly we're on the news, that whole playing into at least just getting our five minutes of fame there. Um, and then if we're out there hounding their uh representatives their right. governors you know secretaries of state and all now we are going to be on their mind so that leads us into the the final thing which is just the topic of pointing out to the general public yep. how wrong and how twisted it is and how much of a lock on the the electoral system there is because you know john q public or jane q public the average american doesn't necessarily understand this they don't no understand idea. that the reason you rarely see libertarian or don't see libertarians let me rephrase that on the presidential debate stage it's because the commission on presidential debates is a republican and democratic uh entity right and, and then on the state and the local levels they have such a lock on what it takes most americans don't understand that so by us pointing this out, by us raising hell and getting all these different entities talking, suddenly now the average American is going, wow, I didn't know that was what they go through. And now we can possibly get them to kind of see what the two-party duopoly held over top of them as a lock, and maybe they'll start looking at us. And suddenly, maybe we'll turn this into a membership room, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I love your idea of hounding people on social media and in person, but especially on social media, because, I mean, it's effective. You can send letters and, 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 and the press releases are a great idea. Getting in front of the media is a great idea. I was recently interviewed by a local news right here in my guest room. And uh, when I wasn't telling them about, you know, cheesy bread and, and you know, uh, the, 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 the badger, I was uh, I was explaining the kind of what we go through as a third party to just even get on the ballot. Yep. This is someone who reports on politics. He had no clue. He didn't get it. He, he didn't know. Well, how would he? Uh, you know, talking to Republicans and Democrats, they're certainly not going to talk about it. Um, so right. no, it's a good thing that you're doing that. But, but social media, hitting them on social media, you can send people letters, you can call their, their switchboard and everything else. Those are all great things to do. There's something special about social media because you can start a great social media is like calling them on speakerphone in a in with for the entire world to hear, and it in, encourages others to pile on and do the same thing. If you have a effective message that you're hitting them with, and uh, 
That's a very powerful thing to be able to, to start a, a you know a Twitter hound campaign or a Facebook hounding campaign uh, to do that. So that's really great that you're doing that. So um, and that's what I was going to say about the Twitter side of that, especially. Um, and I've recently started really dwelling in the Twitter. I use it to hound Donald Trump as much as I can. I mean, Mango Mussolini. Let me rephrase that. Right. Um, the the beauty of that is if we get enough of us, you know talking about opening the ballots, talking about the hassle that goes on to get on the ballots on their Twitter, that's permanent for the world to see. As you said, that is as close to a bullhorn in the crowded state room as yep. we can get. That's correct. Yep. Trust me, if I can get my butt into the PA state, you know, uh, the state building and get a bullhorn and stand in front of all of those people, I will. Mm-hmm. But outside of doing that, Twitter gives me a really good opportunity to do it. And guess what? I don't have to worry about getting arrested and figuring out all the legal fees associated with it. You don't even have to leave your house, which is perfect right now because with social distancing, you really can't get in front of them. So, I mean, again, the Internet comes to save the day. We are in an opportunity to really make them uncomfortable where they can't try to pretend that they're they can only be on social media right now. Like literally they can only exist on these platforms and so if every time they come there, all that's waiting for them is a bunch of people hounding them about stuff, they have to respond to it. It would be like if they went to the if, if Donald Trump goes to a stadium and it's just filled with people going, Open the ballots. Why the hell won't you let the libertarians and the Green Party on there, schmuck? And like and he and you know, they're saying it they're saying it the same volume he is. Like it would be I mean, you couldn't ignore that. And so it's it's actually really again this is a terrible thing that we're going through. I'm not downplaying that. I'm I'm saying that a, a very small silver sliver lining of the terrible, you know, the lockdown and the and the pandemic and everything that we're facing is that it's putting politicians they're on equal footing with us in a lot of ways. They can get the disease just like we can. They got to stay locked down just like we have to. And 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 I'm not even talking about lockdown for the law. They're having to stay locked down for their health and safety, just like the rest of us are having to be, you know, smart and safe and social distancing and self quarantining and all that stuff. They're having to do it too. Uh, and you know, when they come on the same internet the rest of us are on, they got to take it from us, you know, just just as bad as we have to take it from them. So it's 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 really really impressive. So. Uh, Muddied Waters Media is 100% behind Open the Ballots. The Vermin for President and Spike Cohen for Vice President campaigns are 100% behind this. Uh, We are working with all of the various Libertarian Party state affiliates and the National Party. We're all getting behind this thing 100%, and we're going to spread it out to Green Party and Constitution Party, Reform Party, anyone else who wants to participate in it uh, and, 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 and really push this forward. So I really appreciate you coming on. Before I give you a chance to do final thoughts, would you like to do final My Fellow Americans? This is a little game that I do. Sure. Okay, perfect. So we have a, uh, uh, basically, I'm going to give you 30 seconds uh, to answer a series of, uh, of questions. And these uh, questions are, where is it? Oh, there it is. Okay. Uh, I'm going to uh, give you 30 seconds to answer a series of questions, which is nowhere near enough time to do so, but that's just how it is. I don't know what to tell you. It's just how it is, Henry. If you don't like it, then, you know, you shouldn't have signed the social contract. Um, <laughs> anyway, for this installment of Final My Fellow Americans, I'm actually going to do the same questions that I asked my previous guest, Jordan Logue. Um, but I'm going to name a series of terrible things, uh, and you're going to tell me how long it's going to take for that thing to eradicate all of humankind. So 
each thing, how long, how long in days, weeks, months, years, decades, whatever, how long do you think it's going to take for it to kill off every single last human being on this godforsaken planet? Um, is that, uh, you know, do you need time or are you, you ready to go? Let's go. Okay, so 30 seconds on the clock. Good luck. COVID-19. Uh, I would say about seven to eight years. Seven to eight years? Okay. Climate change. Uh, 20 to 30 years. Okay. Uh, the ending of net neutrality. Uh, it won't. Okay. Uh, goat AIDS. Goat AIDS. Uh, you know what? Let's go with six months. Wow. Okay. Uh, th- that guy named Jeff who owns a nuke. Uh, Literally one year. One year? Okay. Uh, pop country. Pop country will kill everybody in a day. <laughs> Max Abramson registering as a Democrat. Uh, let's see. A Democratic Party will launch every nuke we have about 30 seconds. <laughs> Bird box in real life. I don't think anybody could survive that for more than 10 seconds. Thank you. That's how long I made it into the movie. Thank you. So many people. Oh, a bird box is, you know, oh, we could do. I'm like, everyone would die. You can't look outside. There'd be like 15 people left. It would just be the. So at the end, spoiler alert, the blind people survived, right? So like at the end, uh, you know, Sandra Bullock finds. Uh, if you haven't seen Bird Box at this point, I don't know what to tell you. Sandra Bullock finds a colony of blind people uh, uh, who aren't, you know, they can they can go outside because they don't see anything. If you can't look outside, you're going to die? Give me a freaking break. Oh, there's going to be uh, uh, roving bands of it. No, the hell there isn't. It? You, you never glance outside. I just looked outside. I'm dead. Give me a break. Um, the common cold, but every time you sneeze, flames come out of your nose. Uh, I'd give it two years because eventually people are going to start running from anybody sniffling. That's fair. See, so my last guest said that we actually might do okay, but it would be like social distancing would become a permanent thing because you just, if someone sneezes, you're dead and they're probably dead too. Cause I mean, flames coming out of your nose, you're not, this isn't dragon, you know, mythology. Like it's going to come out of your nose and burn you and like, you're going to die too. Um, yep. okay. So, and then finally the badger. Listen, badgers are great animals, and they they deserve a place replacing humanity in general. So once they uh, once they get to the level of Planet of the Apes, I mean, they'll overthrow us. They'll make us their laborers, and uh, I give it about two and a half to three years before they rule the world. So they might not even take us out. They'll just dominate everything. Yeah. So Planet of the Badgers. Yes. I'm actually okay with that. <laughs> I feel like my life would be a lot easier if I could just wake up and the badgers are telling me what to do and I just go and do it and I get to go back to bed. That just seems like actually not bad. Pretty simple. Like it's, yeah, it seems like it's simple. It's like you wake up, the badgers are like, oh, do this and you go and do it. And then, and then you get to, you get to take a nap. Hopefully, hopefully they're, I mean, I just hope they're nice. I hope the badgers are like, like a, like a, like a, a, a ruler who's like a, a benevolent ruler. They probably won't be. They seem like they like the mustelids seem like in general like they're just going to be really rough on us. Like look at their claws. Like look at, the claws. Like, look at their claws. The claws. Like, but then also look at that face. It's, it's a tough one. Horrible. It's a tough one. They got such a cute face, but then they really they can murder you. Like, 
So it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Anyway, all right. Thank you so much for participating in that. I want to give you a chance, uh, uh, and, and thank you so much for coming on. This was a real blast. We are definitely going to be working with you on Open the Ballots, uh, both with Muddy Waters and with the Vermin Spike campaign. We're going to continue helping promote that. Um, but before I, uh, uh, before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to give your final thoughts. Anything you feel like you didn't get a chance to say, anything you want to promote, uh, we do have your Open the Ballots Facebook group uh, and the Voice of Liberty uh, Facebook page on on our on the show notes so we, that is there but anything you want to promote including any of those things i give you the floor you have the final word uh henry Connolly. the the floor is yours so i think the one thing that i also wanted to get to in this and that i want to make sure people understand is that this is not just something that we're working on for 2020 we're looking forward to 2021 and we're looking towards the future of what being on the ballot, getting on the ballot in a, democ- uh, a truly democratic election will look like. That's the big fight. Okay. We want to ensure that elections going forward ensure that democracy exists across all parties, that everybody has a voice. But the biggest thing that we're also talking about that we haven't said anything about yet, but I'm going to let it leak, is that we, on top of the electronic signatures thing, we want to use that as a reason and as a baseline to say, hey, guess what? Blockchain-backed elections are also possible because if we can have blockchain-backed elections and people don't have to drag their butts out to a polling place all the time, one, holy cow, suddenly we're living in the 21st century, right. and two, maybe that 50% of people might actually load a web page and vote because now they, they don't have to go anywhere. They don't have to be judged for what they're doing. They don't have to be hounded by polling workers and they can go out and they can vote for whoever they want, write in whoever they want. Um, if you don't agree with anybody, vote in Harambe. Let's go. Nice. I like this. Blockchain-based voting. It's actually a, pr- a similar proposal to what I've tried to push for even before this outbreak. We've been trying to push for um, switching from our cloistered system of state delegates going to a national convention and all the money that's spent on that and and the which incentivizes our candidates to just talk to people that are already libertarian instead of going out in the world to spread the message like the republicans and the democrats incentivize their candidates to do by switching to a public primary that would not be a taxpayer finance primary it would be a a a a a a voluntary uh, uh libertarian party managed blockchain encrypted uh, 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 members only public primary. So all you had to do is pay the minimal fee to become a member and you could vote for, for all, all of the things, uh, you know, everything from president, vice president, your local candidates, chair, state chair for your, for national state, whatever you wanted to vote for, you could vote for those things using like an app, uh, that would be blockchain based. That would be very secure and, uh, would save a fortune for the part, for the state affiliates, for the national affiliate and for all the members and would also promote it. So this is, we're kind of pushing for the same thing for actual, like the general election. So I, I think it's a great idea. And you brought uh, up something that I had completely forgot if I could just take a second. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. The other thing that I'm personally pushing for some of the people within uh, the open the ballots group are pushing for is also a discussion because COVID-19 has raised so many things that are situations we haven't been in where we're looking at uh, national convention and questioning how's that going to happen if it's going to happen. Right. Uh, we're hoping that maybe we can also fire up a discussion on do we have to have these expensive physical 
conventions that some people cannot afford to make it out to. So within this, we're also trying to generate a discussion. Yep. Do we have to have these physical conventions or can we find another electronic and virtual way that we can do this? We're proving it with state conventions right now. There's yep. state conventions that are being held completely on Zoom. Yep. Let's have a talk and let's, let's put the pressure there also. And not only did they have it on Zoom, some of them did it with like two days notice. Like, yep. just to prove that this can be done, they had almost no time to do it. Or in some cases, they had a couple weeks or a month or whatever to plan it. And they're doing it. It's not impossible to do. It will be very hard having 2,500 people on an online group. There's a way to do it. There is a way to do it. We can do this, and it will cost way less than the way we've been doing it. And it will show that we are you know, innovating more than the, 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 the so-called big major parties. Well, if they're such big major parties, why are they still doing things the way they did it, you know, a hundred years ago? Why are we the ones innovating and showing the way forward? And, and we could work with other parties to demonstrate, you know, a dynamic way of voting so that we can then push for it at the actual, you know, actual official election level. So anyway, this, this is a whole I mean, I, we could do a, a whole other that's a whole other episode we could do on that. Um, so I, I, I hope that you, uh, I hope we can be on each other's shows very, very soon. Henry, thank you so much. Uh, stick around. I'm going to talk with you during the outro if that's okay. But thank you again for coming on, Henry. Uh, can't wait to have you on again. And uh, folks, thanks again for coming, for, for watching My Fellow Americans. Uh, tomorrow night, I'm having a special members-only uh, Libertarian Party Radical Caucus uh, Ask Me Anything event. So for if you're a member of the Libertarian Party Radical Caucus, I will be doing a members-only Ask Me Anything event uh, about my campaign uh, and why I think Vermin Supreme and I are the best pick for president and vice president. And really, any question you have, any anything you want to ask me, uh, I will be on there starting tomorrow uh, night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, in the Liberta- there, there are two different Libertarian Party Radical Caucus groups on Facebook, uh, Libertarian Party LP Radical Caucus and LP Radical Caucus members only. We will be live streaming in both of them. And uh, so if you're a member, be sure to check that out, 8 p.m. on uh, tomorrow night. And uh, I will be there to answer whatever questions you may have and uh and then have a great uh weekend i have some um uh, appearances that i was on on different podcasts that i'll be posting on my on both muddy waters and my page spike cohen your next vp uh and also on the twitter uh at real spike cohen um so be sure to check those out um there were uh, uh two po- comedy podcasts and also a uh a blockchain uh cryptocurrency related podcast that i was on so be sure to check that out uh and then have a great weekend and um and then uh check out oh friday is my anniversary. That's not really anything for you. I just want to wish my wife a happy anniversary. Hi, honey. And uh, and then uh, next week, be sure to come right back here to Muddy Waters Media Tuesday night uh, for the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where I and my heterosexual life partner, Matt Wright, will be parsing through the week's events like this sweet little uh, spring cherub quarantine children that we are. And then uh, come back uh, next Wednesday at 8 p.m. for my fellow Americans... This show that you just watched, but again next week, 8 p.m. Eastern. I don't know who my guest is yet. You're not going to believe who my guest is. I don't, I'm not going to believe who it is. I don't know who it is. I may not have a guest. I may just do my own thing. I don't know. Anyway, have a great week, and uh, thanks again for tuning in, and God bless you.
skin My friend, in reality you are my kin Though I view the world through another's iris If you slide in my kicks, it might fit We might just unite and come together Become hybrid, at the least slightly like-minded Indeed, the life I've lived brings light to kindness All you need is a sign Put a cease to the crimes Put an ease to the minds like mine Sometimes darkness is all I find You know what they say about an eye for an eye In a time with the blind leave the blind Who am I to deny when cry when a loved one dies I recognize that body outside For the holes in the body that was alive Now they find them with chalk outline Find out how but you never know why It ain't even make it to the news at nine It ain't even make it to the news at nine That's 